Boy, I'll tell you, great turnout last week during the 2020 Wisconsin Corn Soy Expo. Fabulous farm babe Pam Yankee here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. You know, Bob, I was really pleased they said uh, a lot of walk-up business last week and a lot of pre-registered corn and soybean growers that showed up. Great content, don't you think? Content was excellent. Once again, Pam, Bob Oswald here at the northern end of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire. I think a lot of that walk-up business might have been weather-related. It was awfully good weather to get to Wisconsin Dells last week for the Corn Soy Pork Expo. And they kicked things off with a guy that had a lot to tell him, Chip Flory. Chip, of course, an economist with Farm Journal. And he was talking about uh, these markets going forward. What's going to happen with the U.S.-China trade deal, with the coronavirus, with African swine fever, problems in the Middle East, what to look forward to. We had a chance to talk to Chip about that and asked him uh, with his optimism about all the opportunities ahead for American agriculture. Were we looking back at the glory days of $8 corn and $12 beans? He kind of smiled when he gave me his answer. Boy, I you know, I don't know if anybody's going to make too, that much more money at $8 corn. Uh, it's it's fun when it's around, but I think the goal here is let's let's get 475 $5 corn and and produce as much of it as we can and find a home for it at at those profitable levels. And uh, is that possible? Absolutely, I think it's possible. Talked with Greg Dowd. He's the chief egg negotiator for the US Trade Rep office here a little bit ago and and uh, we asked him five years from now, how are we going to view the signing of phase one agreement? And he thinks it's going to be a historic event uh, in the idea that China is going to live up to the terms, that China is going to become a good actor in the global trade community. They're not going to be the, the pirate that they've been up to this point. And, and that's exactly what they've been. They've been pirate-like. It's either steal it, steal what they want and burn down the rest. Or you have to buy soybeans. They they understood that, the, the raw commodities. But they need to be a better actor. And what's going to make them be a better actor? Let's face it, you know, years ago you didn't have Brazil and Argentina as another alternative market. So what makes him so confident that China is going to be a better actor, not a pirate? Yeah, it's in the agreement that they cannot use those phytosanitary issues as artificial trade barriers. The anti-dumping case that they brought against U.S. sorghum and U.S. DDGs, everybody knows that that was hooey. That should have never happened. The only reason that they did that was to protect their domestic market. And as a result of that, we t- those are included in phase one. Makes it more difficult for them to raise those artificial trade barriers. I'm not saying that it's going to be free trade with China. I'm not saying that it's going to be fair trade with China. But it is going to be freer and it is going to be fairer if they live up to the terms of the phase one agreement. That's why I'm going to be optimistic and stick with Dowd and agree that five years from now, we're going to look back and say, you know what? That was a historic event. Five years from now, let's face it, with what's going on in the country, five years from now is going to be a long time for a lot of producers out there. In the meantime, right. what have you got for something other than dark clouds? Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, everybody looks at that corn carryover number and, and soybean carryover number as, as kind of the barometer of where we stand as far as is, is our supply in balance with our demand and so on. And right now, I would say that it's not because of the trade wars that 
we've checked off. We've got USMCA done. We've got Japan done. We've got South Korea done. We've got phase one done. We've got India maybe is coming in the short term. The UK, we got to get that done. The UK has got to get that done. And then after that, we go after the rest of Europe and, and, and try to get improved trade deals with them. But the bottom line is on corn. When you look at total production around the world and total consumption around the world, three the, the last three years we are consuming more corn than we are producing. And that applies for all feed grains. So the trade the, that trend is definitely moving in the right direction. At some point, corn's going to have to wake up and realize that it needs to bid more aggressively for acres here in the U.S. because there's demand for our product around the world. If we can do tariff-free trade with Mexico, which we're going to do, if we can do low-tariff trade with Japan, which we're going to do, low tariff trade with South Korea and and get in on the tariff rate quotas going into China the demand is going to be there and corn is going to have to bid to to get those acres over to production so if all of a sudden we're competing with soybeans both both of those crops are going to want acres over the next 3 4 5 years and that's where we can start to get excited that we're going to get more of the revenue that we need from the market rather than through these MFP payments. As we look at that, though, that's a pretty optimistic look, and you would think, well, that's going to translate into prices. But yeah. your forecast of prices at about 350 doesn't translate, in my mind, and I'm sure a lot of farmers' minds, to what maybe you were just saying. Yep, and that's because in the 2021 marketing year, we're, we're going to see... Total combined acres between corn and soybeans is going to be around 178 million, is what I'm thinking right now. Right now, I've got 94 of that going to corn and 84 of that going to soybeans. With that, carryover on soybeans would probably tighten up just a bit next year. Corn carryover would bulge up to about 2.5, 2.6 billion bushels. That's at that 94 and 84 on planted acres. Now, if soybeans can do something, between now and that final planning decision and the final crop mix decision to attract a few more acres and we we're talking we're talking instead of 84 we're talking 86 and instead of 94 we're talking 92 then we're starting to look at more of a steady carryover on corn and a steady carryover on soybeans instead of that increase. Steady carryovers don't give me a whole lot of incentive to push prices up either, but it would be higher than that nine fifty. It, it it may not be nine fifty on soybeans, but it'd be nine thirty. It wouldn't be three fifty on corn. It'd be three seventy five. So there's a lot of movement that's going to be taking place over the next uh, couple of months. But I'll tell you this: if we see any sign that China is trying to live up to the terms of the Phase 1 agreement, if we see any sign, my price outlook is too cheap. If we get six, seven, eight months down the road and we haven't seen China making an attempt to live up to the terms of the agreement, then even 350 is probably too high on a price projection for corn. But if you look at China with the coronavirus, yep. the African swine fever situation, do you think they're going to be able to live up? to the agreement of what they purchased and agreed to purchase, because if not, 950 is pretty optimistic for beans, isn't it? It is. It is. That's exactly right. And just yesterday, USDA Secretary Sonny Perdue said, hey, the coronavirus is probably a reason that we're going to get a request from China to delay the implementation of Phase 1, which starts, uh, implementation comes uh, February 15. Um 
to me, that's on on one hand that's realistic. On another hand, I think the Trump administration is probably looking for a way to get an MFP 3.0 out there. And if China delays implementation at all, then that's some more cover for the Trump administration to roll out another payment to farmers in an election year. And that's the old tactics, right? I mean, that was Reagan. That was that was Clinton administration. That was that kind of stuff. We thought we were getting away from it, but Trump has drug us back into it. I was going to say another MFP payment would really be a dark cloud over this market. It, it would be... It, as far as farmers are concerned, it, because as you said in your presentation at the Wisconsin it, Corn Soy Expo, we want to be getting our price 100% out of the market, right. not with MFP. That's exactly right. It would be discouraging. It, it would be discouraging. And as we get into the negotiations for the farm bill, the next round of the farm bill, those urban lawmakers are going to be looking and saying, listen, between 2018 and 2019, you put $38 billion in farmers' pockets. Between those three years, I would imagine that the the next round of MFP, if there is a round of MFP payments for 2020, it's going to be smaller than what it was. So let's just call it $50 billion over three years, they're going to be looking at that and saying, and you want us to do what with crop insurance? You want us to do what with a, with the ARC, with the PLC, with, with the reference prices? You're, you, that's a big ask. So there's there are consequences to pay already. We've got Wisconsin sports covered. 96.7 exactly right, FM, 1670 AM. And we want to get back to that market-driven revenue. Of course we do. That's Chip Florian, economist with Farm Journal, who also reminded farmers to keep an eye on the Chinese situation. Just because we had that trade deal, we still have to be aware of the African swine fever and the coronavirus. And does that mean they will be purchasing as they promised in that phase one trade deal? Still, some things that aren't too certain as far as the marketing world is concerned. From the northern end of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire, I'm Bob Bosold. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. No doubt about it. The best seat in the house is the one in your bathroom. The toilet is one of those things you never expect to act up or break down. But when it does, Benjamin Plumbing will have one of their capable service techs check things out. It could be something as simple as a float valve. Or it could be your due for a brand new, comfy toilet. And not to worry, the majority of Benjamin Plumbing's residential repairs are more affordable than you might think. Plus, they stand by their work with a warranty on all parts, labor, and repairs. Temperamental toilet? Contact your friends at Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses. I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. Battles aren't won solely on the field. That's a common misconception. Battles are won within. Over enemies of fear. Enemies of doubt. In that place, 
where promises are kept. Promises to oneself. This is a physical training event. Promises to one's community. Healthy people move debris out of their house. Promises to one's country. In the heart of every Marine, you'll find a promise. A promise forever kept. A promise of Battles Won. Work in the back 40 like it's only a 20. It's Pam Yonke and the Wisconsin Farm Report. All right, 522 this morning. Apologies to our affiliate stations for some of our technical glitches this morning. Time to talk to Stu Mucker, Ag Meteorologist on weather. Boy, I'm going to enjoy today because it's going to feel a lot different tomorrow, isn't it? It's going to be getting a whole lot colder, Pam, and there will be some precipitation for most of us with a cool front that's going to drop in out of the northwest. We're talking some snow, but as that begins this evening, a few raindrops could mix with it. Not a big deal. Just be a little extra cautious. I'll give you all the details right after this. Get insurance from a company who knows Wisconsin and cares about your community. You may know Rural Mutual Insurance as the number one farm insurer, but did you know they also offer competitive home and auto rates? Visit RuralMutual.com to learn more about products and discounts. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. The Wisconsin Cattlemen's Association invites you to join us for our annual conference held at Chula Vista Resort in Wisconsin Dells. Held February 21st and 22nd, this is an opportunity for beef producers to network, learn how to improve management on their farm, and receive legislative updates. We are also excited to welcome the UW Extension Beef and Dairy Wellbeing Conference, also held on Friday, February 21st. Visit WisconsinCattlemen.com to become a member and register today. All right, Stu, go ahead. All right, well, snow is already starting to fall in central and northern Minnesota on the approach of that cold front. Expect more clouds to build in today and by this evening. Some light snow, even a couple of raindrops in the west and south. Mid-30s today, southwest winds 5 to 15, a bit gusty. More likely changing over to snow in the night, an inch or two accumulating. Blowing in the lake, we drop down to the single digits. Southwest winds 10 to 20 become north, even gusting at 30 in the night. A little light snow around early tomorrow, a mostly cloudy day, only in the mid-teens. North winds 8 to 18 and gusty, mostly sunny Friday, Pam, again mid-teens. But by the weekend, maybe some snow Saturday night. But we'll be back well up in the mid-30s Saturday and Sunday. La Crosse is waking up with clear skies and 23 degrees. Mauston, you're clear and 25. Fond du Lac, clear and 19. Beaver Dam, clear and 16. Madison at the airport, looking at clear skies and 19 degrees. Things will get better after 5.30. Howard Markline, Senator and uh, Chair of the Senate Ag Committee joining us. And Tammy Vossen with the Wisconsin Beef Council in studio as well. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Join Case IH at Johnson Tractor's Open House Friday, February 21st at the Janesville location. Come for pancakes and a sneak peek of the all-new AFS Connect Case IH Magnum. Presentations will be held at 9 and 11 a.m. Mark it down. Make it there. Johnson Tractor's Open House Friday, February 21st in Janesville. Johnson. 
You no longer have to hide your hands. Your hands have been taking care of everyone else. Isn't it time that you take care of your hands? A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Did you know there are several aesthetic treatments that help your hands look brighter, healthier, and more youthful? Treatments such as broadband light and chemical or laser peels help with tone, texture, and getting rid of those stubborn age spots. Skin type procedures can smooth out wrinkles and fine lines, as well as add new collagen. Dermal filler like Restylane Lift is used to improve the volume in the back of the hands. The results are noticed immediately, giving you a fuller, more hydrated appearance. Most treatments can last over a year and are more affordable than you might think. Now you can show off your hands with confidence. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. There is no reason to be intimidated by words like gold, diamonds, jewels. No reason at all, especially when you stop into Goodman's Jewelers, 220 State Street, same location they've been at for over 85 years because they haven't been in business that long by intimidating people. They've been in that business by having beautiful pieces at all price points, whether it be an engagement ring, a wedding band, a pendant, maybe even a necklace, birthday, anniversaries, so many different occasions to give such beautiful jewelry that is very affordable. And of course, they've got the bling bling, the shine and diamonds, but they also have a great selection of other exotic gemstones and a lot of the cuts that are super hot these days. They may have that traditional feel, that traditional customer service, but they also have the new modern looks of today. Stop in and take a look at their jewelry case. Talk to the staff. Find out what it is that they have and what it is that they can create. Go online, goodmansjewelers.com. Battles aren't won. Solely on the field. That's a common misconception. Battles are won within. Over enemies of fear. Enemies of doubt. In that place where promises are kept. Promises to oneself. This is a physical training event. Promises to one's community. Promises to one's country. In the heart of every Marine, you'll find a promise. A promise forever kept. A promise of battles won. Need to get some rest. This is the worst headache ever. Mm, right arm's all tingly all of a sudden. Must have slept on it last night. I keep losing my balance. These old bones need some exercise. Granddaddy, what you just said doesn't even make sense. It sounds like gibberish. Signs like these could be more than what they seem. They could be a sign of stroke. Sudden weakness or numbness of the face, arm, or leg. Sudden trouble with vision in one or both eyes. Sudden trouble walking or difficulty with balance. Or a sudden intense headache that comes out of nowhere. If you or someone you know has any of these symptoms, don't wait. Call 911 immediately. 
you could make a difference in someone's life, someone you love, maybe even your own. Time lost is brain lost. Find out more at PowerToEndStroke.org. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. At Lautning Cades, we handle almost every case as a team. That kind of institutional knowledge, that kind of information that other attorneys may bring to the table is a great benefit to our clients. The attorneys at Lawton and Cates. It's who you turn to for legal advice. 282-6200 or LawtonCates.com. When you need an attorney, trust the voice of experience. The only choice, Lawton and Cates. All right, let's talk Badgers then. Uh, we asked this question yesterday to RJ, our Badger, and said I'll same one to you. With all the off-the-court stuff the last couple weeks, do you think this is the perfect time to have a week basically off? Or would you say, no, now is more than ever why you'd want to keep playing. you got to win. you got some momentum. You want to. The more you sit around, you're going to think about Eric Helland and Kobe King. You'd rather be out there playing. Or do you think, man, even with a win, they probably need a week off just to decompress? I think they need the time off, not just you know physically or not just mentally for the Eric Helland thing and everything else that's gone on, but physically they've been playing a ton of minutes of late. You know, you lose Kobe King. You have you were without Brad Davison for the game against Michigan State. You saw Demetrius Trice have to play 39 minutes. Revan Prince will play 39 minutes in that game. They needed. I don't think this is a bad thing for them to get uh, some time off here before this stretch run, where you know they got seven games left. Four wins likely guarantees them a spot in the NCAA tournament. So yeah, a week off to get ready for Nebraska team that's not very good, but is always you know can always play tough. Uh, has always played Wisconsin tough at home. So. Yeah, I don't have any problem. I think it's a great thing for them to get this week off and, and not just decompress, but you know, get their legs back and, and get ready for this, this run that will likely last until you know middle of late March. Zach, please tell me that this is true. Um, after the Badgers beat Ohio State wearing their throwback jerseys honoring the Final Four 2000 team, are they going to continue to wear those jerseys? I thought maybe uh, Wisconsin's basketball account tweeted out that the players wanted to wear them again. Do you, have you heard anything about that? Yeah, I haven't heard any update on it, but yeah, they put that out there to the public. It went through some of the responses, or a lot of the responses on Twitter and a lot of them on Instagram, and overwhelmingly it was, yes, we want to see him again. And the players loved him. Apparently they feel exactly like their normal uniforms, so it wasn't like trying to get used to them at all. Like to, like a couple years ago when they wore those uh, Black History Month ones, which were awesome, they, were not the, they did not feel the same as the regular uniforms, but these apparently do. And I would imagine we see them again. I don't know if we see them again for the rest of the year, like just like every single game, but I would I'd be very surprised if we don't see them at some point again. Uh, visiting with our sports director Zach Halperin. So so back to the the rest and the decompress, Zach. Uh, I mean, what what was the mood uh, regarding? You know, is there still talk of of King and Helen? Does that can always be the the elephant in the room, or just like everything in life, you know, as time goes by, it, it gets further and further away? Or do you think this sticks with the team, even with hopeful success the rest of the season? Yeah, I think the King thing is, is past. The, I mean, if people don't realize how much time the players spend with the strength and conditioning coach. Like during, you know, during the spring, during the summer, they don't they see him a lot more than they see Greg Gard or any any of the assistant coaches. He's the one that they see when they go into that weight room every single day, and so he's a huge, huge part of their their life. Brad Davison said it was one of the reasons he actually came to Wisconsin was Eric Helland, and so I think that one is going to linger probably more than. Than, um, than Kobe King. I mean, Kobe King is gone. He's not there anymore. It is what it is. But Eric Helen was a, was a huge, huge part of their life, and I think that one's going to stick. And, you know, just the way that it all went down probably doesn't sit well with, with, with some of them, but it was also an unavoidable. It, that's the way it had to play out. So 
um, once it once it became known, once it became fact, that's the way it had to play out. So, yeah, I, I think the Eric Helm thing stays with them, but I don't I don't think it's going to be something where it's going to be like, gosh, we didn't they. We, they didn't make the tournament because Eric Helen was was candoring, like they were, you know, was was forced to resign or whatever. Resigned. That's not what it's going to be. It's going to be, you know, them not playing well enough. But it'll it'll stay. It, I mean, it'll it'll stick there in their mind. But I don't think it's going to impact their play. You know what I'm saying? Well, Zach, is it going to is it going to impact their recruits? Um, who was there? Some recruiting classes down for that Ohio State victory. Yeah, there were a lot of recruits in in town. Um, Johnny, the the Davis brothers, Johnny and Jordan, who are signed for. Um, who will be here in in June? Um, they were there. Carter Gilmore, another twenty uh, walk on in the twenty twenty class, and then, uh, then uh, Chris Hodges from the twenty twenty one class. They were all there, and and so far, you know, I haven't seen any anything whatsoever that would lead anyone to believe that anybody's you know potentially changing their mind because of what happened with Kobe King or with Eric Helen. And so I, I I really don't think will be seeing any change there. I don't think guys are going to decommit because of what's happened. I know that I, I would expect, and I really do believe, that Johnny Davis, while friends with Kobe King, is probably just okay with him leaving because he wants to play early and there's a better chance for him to play early uh, with, with Kobe King not there. So I don't, think any, I don't think anybody in the recruiting classes right now is going to impact it. Now, I think a lot of people have been saying you can't fire Eric Helen or you can't let Eric Helen resign over something like, like that. But in recruiting – if he was still here, you know how, how much other teams would use that against Wisconsin on the recruiting trail? You have a guy who used yeah. racially offensive language on your staff and you give him a slap on the wrist, that would be used against them all the times. This is the Farm Report with Pam Young. All righty, 535 now on a Wednesday morning up before 6 o'clock. Tammy Vossen with the Wisconsin Beef Council's in studio. Her and her staff, along with a bunch of beef producers from Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, and Illinois, fresh off the National Cattlemen's Beef Association and Cattlemen's Beef Board annual meeting down in San Antonio. What direction are we going in 2020? What did they learn? We'll find out before 6 o'clock. I'm Pam Yonke. Now, from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Wednesday. So, on this date, back in 2002, the trial of Slobodan Milosevic continued at The Hague in the Netherlands. He had been the former president of Yugoslavia and Serbia, but do you remember? He died four years after the trial began, before the trial concluded, on this date back in 2002. On this date, in 1909, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People was founded, NAACP, one of the oldest, most influential civil rights groups in the United States. On this date, back in 1909. And on this date, in 2002, a Verona native in Wisconsin, Casey Fitzrandolph, won the gold medal at the 2002 Salt Lake City Olympics. He was a speed skater. Congratulations. We still think of Casey Fitzrandolph as a Wisconsin gold medalist. And now you know. Happy to be joined this morning by Wisconsin Senator Howard Markline from the Dodgeville area. He, of course, is the chair of the Senate Agriculture Committee and want to send special congratulations. Just uh, recently named the Legislator of the Year by the Wisconsin Pork Association. Good to see you at uh, Corn Soy, Howard. Let's talk a little bit. At that particular day when you and I were visiting, you had just wrapped up a full day of dealing with different agriculture-related bills down at the state capitol. I, I've been kidding people that 
this is turning out to be the year of agriculture for Wisconsin down at the State House. Uh, give me an update. You recently took action on the livestock siting rule. That's something that a lot of farmers have been nervous about, uh, not been real happy with the first time out. What did, uh, what did you manage to get done? Well, uh, we just rolled out a uh, update on the livestock uh, siting um, statutes. And so this, we're in the early stages now of, of the legislative process. We're going to be doing a joint uh, hearing with the uh, Senate Ag Committee and the Assembly Ag Committee uh, in, in, a, in a few days here, uh, which should be very good. But, you know, a lot of farmers uh, were concerned, a lot of the ag groups were very concerned uh, after the rule review process uh, stumbled last year, in fact, the last, last few years, and they were very concerned about that. So uh, we've been working with the livestock groups, with the Wisconsin Towns Association and with the Wisconsin Counties Association in coming up with a, a, a bill that I think addresses all of those groups' concerns. And, uh, you know, obviously we've got that many uh, people involved, you know, the which would be the Farm Bureau, the DBA, Dairy Alliance, Pork Producers, Cattlemen's, uh, you know, they all have little different perspectives on, on what they want to see. So a lot of compromise uh, happened, but uh, I think it addressed the uh, the concerns and the goals of, of all of those um, stakeholders. I noticed that there was a lot of conversation about allowing local government to still remain strong. What was the real sticking point there, Howard? For the typical town board, when there's a livestock siting application, it's probably the first time and maybe the only time they're ever going to deal with that request. And they are probably not equipped to handle the technical challenges and all that. So what uh, this bill will do, and the the towns uh, supported this, is have the technical review done by DATCAP to make sure that the, you know, the application um, meets all the standards and all that. But then uh, the towns are going to have, you know, the final approval at, at a local level, including um, public input. So I think we ended up with a, a good uh, compromise between what the, again, the, the farm groups, the farm groups want certainty, you know, when they get into this application process and, and the uh, local towns and counties want uh, some control yet. And I think we were able to achieve both of those goals. Now, now out for public consumption, it's going to take a little while to get this wrapped up. Well, you know, again, we're hoping to, you know, we've, we've spent a lot of time in the last few months. With, I can't tell you the number of hours we put into this thing. Um, so there's been a lot, a lot of conversations going on. So, you know, I'm hoping now because we invested the time in getting all the, the parties together and doing a lot of talking and back and forth and compromising, I'm hoping that, you know, maybe we can get this thing uh, through here on this legislative session. I mean, that's my goal, Yeah, uh, is to get this thing done here in, in the next few weeks. Well, yeah, that's the thing is people got to realize it's uh, the clock is ticking for a lot of these things. Now, uh, of course, along with us is Wisconsin Senator Howard Marklang, chair of the Senate Ag Committee. I mentioned you, Howard. We have literally got a wave of bills and legislation and conversations happening, all focused on Wisconsin agriculture, our rural communities, our farm families. I said to you, how in the world is a person supposed to kind of keep track of these things? What are your suggestions? If somebody belongs to one of the state groups, if, if you're a member of the, the corn growers or the cattlemen or Farm Bureau, you know, any of those uh, farm groups, those 
um, groups are following this leg- all this legislation, this farm-related, agriculture-related legislation, very, very closely. And, and uh, it's also a great opportunity for farmers to stay engaged in the process here as we get down to the end of the wire here in, in the next um, month or two here on the with our legislative session. Uh, there's nothing better than having farmers call up their representative or their senator and weigh in on the, uh, I- the issues that uh, are before us. Um, I, I respect our farmers' opinion so much. And, and again, those ag groups can be very instrumental in disseminating that information about various bills to the farmers who in turn can get a hold of us and, and weigh in on, on these bills. Yeah, very good. Thank you, Howard. Appreciate that. That's Wisconsin Senator Howard Markline. He is, of course, the chair of the Senate Agriculture Committee and a lot of activity down at the state capitol that could impact your bottom line, could impact your enterprise, a future generation of family members that might want to be in farming. So do stay engaged in the process. Make sure that you're calling your elected officials and stay in touch with your commodity groups, your association, so you know what bills are moving where. And that includes that livestock siting uh, regulation that Howard was just speaking of. We've got more policy updates for you on our website now, MidwestFarmReport.com. Markets didn't flinch when USDA came out with their supply-demand report yesterday. I did note that for 2020, U.S. Department of Agriculture projects that milk production will remain flat and our average milk price this year $18.85 a hundredweight. In overnight electronic trade this morning, markets are still a little soft. December corn's down a penny at 391. November beans are down a penny and a quarter at 918. July new crop wheat down a penny, 543 a bushel. Barrel cheese took a big jump up seven, seven and a half cents yesterday to 156. 40 pound block cheese was down six at 188. Double A butter finished the day up a penny at a dollar 81 and a half per pound. Tammy Vossen's got her face in my window. We'll be visiting with her next. Wisconsin Beef Council's Checkoff Chat coming up. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Join Case IH at Johnson Tractor's open house Thursday, February 20th at the Judah location. Come for pancakes and a sneak peek of the all-new AFS Connect Case IH Magnum. Presentations will be held at 9 and 11 a.m. Mark it down. Make it there. Johnson Tractor's open house Thursday, February 20th in Judah. Johnson Tractor from land to lawn. There is no reason to be intimidated by words like gold, diamonds, jewels. No reason at all, especially when you stop into Goodman's Jewelers, 220 State Street, same location they've been at for over 85 years because they haven't been in business that long by intimidating people. They've been in that business by having beautiful pieces at all price points, whether it be an engagement ring, a wedding band, a pendant, maybe even a necklace, birthday, anniversaries, so many different occasions to give such beautiful jewelry that is very affordable. And of course, they've got the bling bling, the shine and diamonds, but they also have a great selection of other exotic gemstones and a lot of the cuts that are super hot these days. They may have that traditional feel, that traditional customer service, but they also have the new modern looks of today. Stop in and take a look at their jewelry case. Talk to the staff. Find out what it is that they have and what it is that they can create. Go online, goodmansjewelers.com. 
Unleash your inner geek at the largest arcade in Wisconsin, Geeks Mania. Hundreds of the most wanted vintage vids and pins, plus the best new games and the largest six-person X-Men game in the galaxy. Book your corporate event or birthday party in the Namco or the new Nintendo room online at GeeksMania.com. Every birthday child gets a free comic book at Geeks Mania, Odana Road, across from Rust Arrow Kia. Open Sunday through Thursday till 10, Friday and Saturday till midnight. Pay one price, play all day. Unleash your inner geek at Geeks Mania. Learn more at GeeksMania.com. Chicken, sheep, and cows, oh my. It's time for the Wisconsin Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Time again for Checkoff Chat, the program brought to you by your beef checkoff dollars. And remember, dairy farmers, that includes you. want to remind you again that if you are a part of the beef industry, we have the Wisconsin Cattlemen's Convention that's going to be coming up where you can bump into a bunch of producers that are sharing the same thoughts and ideas as you are and pick up some new uh, insights on marketing. That convention is going to be February 21st and 22nd at the Chula Vista Resort in Wisconsin Dells. We'll see you there. This Checkoff Chat also brought to you courtesy of our friends at the Equity Cooperative Livestock Association. Remember, they're Wisconsin's largest livestock marketing cooperative, providing quality services at all of their 13 locations. Find out more online, equitycoop.com, if you're looking to market any livestock in the state of Wisconsin. Tammy Vossen's in studio with us, the Executive Director of the Wisconsin Beef Council, fresh off a trip to San Antonio, Texas, for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association annual meeting. How was attendance? I'm sure that the weather was enough to draw some of our folks uh, from Wisconsin farther south. Wisconsin was very well represented in San Antonio again this year, and we've got some great leaders here uh, from Wisconsin that serve on the Cattlemen's Beef Board, as well as our um, Federation of State Beef Council's leadership that uh, sit in, in those positions uh, nationally. So they had some great discussions, uh, met with the checkoff committees last week to kind of get an update on where those national contractor programs are at uh, as they start to look at checkoff programming and how those investments might be spent in the, the coming year. Well, now the international marketplace is kind of such in a dither with this coronavirus situation adjusting markets worldwide. I know that Wisconsin's been working specifically on Central America, Tammy. Uh, what kind of information did you get on the foreign market in general for beef produced in the United States? Well, we certainly see lots of great opportunity here coming into 2020 with the trade agreements that have been signed. Specifically, as you look, though, at Central America, where the Wisconsin Beef Council has been investing some of our state checkoff dollars, we did see 4% growth in that market uh, in the Central American region in 2019. So they they are actually um, just finishing up implementing the Central American Free Trade Agreement um, in that region, which actually brings the tariffs down to zero for our U.S. select quality and higher grades. Uh, so that really does represent an opportunity to really showcase to them some of our higher-valued um, choice in prime cuts that the consumers in that region are starting to get a flavor for. Well, and that's the thing, having just come from Costa Rica and Panama, which are kind of part of the target there, uh, we have to kind of realize and tap the brakes every once in a while, just because you and I may enjoy hamburgers or uh, steak now and then, not everybody eats the same or values the same cuts as we do. That's kind of the case in Central America, is it not? 
It certainly is. Really, that select grade is what's in most high demand right now in Central America. And with our investment into the U.S. Meat Export Federation, they are able to educate those consumers about the choice and prime grades and how you can still eat healthy on on those higher quality grades and that's really a concern about of those consumers in that region as well if you know if I might see a little more marbling is it still healthy for me and the, and the other thing that I find really interesting is that consumers in Central America they're really just starting to realize the benefits of a grill we take that so much advantage of that here especially in Wisconsin grilling out year round um, that we just assume all over the world that they have got grills on their back patios. But this is a growing trend of cooking in Central America. So being able to educate them on the nutrition and the great taste of our beef that is produced here um, in Wisconsin and, and nationally, um, and then also showcasing to them how they can prepare it over a little bit of charcoal and add some additional great flavor to it that way is really going to create some opportunities Boy, for us. Boy, if they fall in love with their grill like we do here in Wisconsin, we've got a great market there. Now, let me ask you, last year, one thing that uh, Wisconsin Beef Council was so proud of is the reverse trade mission, bringing some of those uh, retailers here to Wisconsin to not only sample the beef, but meet our processors, meet our producers. Have you got anything on the horizon in 2020 for that relationship building, Tammy? Well, we certainly are going to continue to connect with those buyers in Central America who are looking to import beef. They were so impressed with the quality um, and safety and, and just the farms that we have got here in Wisconsin, both our beef and dairy farms that are producing high-quality beef. And with them having the chance to develop the relationship with both of our um, plants up in Green Bay um, to see that we can provide them, whether they're looking for select quality beef or if they're looking for prime, that we can service all of those needs and get that product delivered to them. I was mentioning to Tammy, one thing you learn when you go to Central America is they just don't have the infrastructure that we have even here in Wisconsin for processing their own beef. And obviously the kind of beef that grows in the Central American climate is not exactly the kind of beef that grows here in uh, Wisconsin. So a lot of education that I'm sure can happen in 2020. What else did you pick up from uh, the National Cattlemen's Beef Association annual meeting, Tammy, that producers might be interested in? Sure. Well, as we at, at Really, they're looking towards, as I mentioned before, planning what those checkoff dollar investments are going to uh, look like with those national contracts into 2020 and, and the in, into 21 as well. So um, you have producer representation from all over the U.S. who sit on those various checkoff committees, and you know your 50 cents of the dollar that initiates here in Wisconsin. 50 cents stays here in our state. The other 50 cents goes to that Cattlemen's Beef Board. And through that, contractors apply to receive checkoff dollars. So those contractors did give an update on all of the checkoff programming that they've been working on um, since last quarter of 2019. And, you know, I think a lot of folks don't realize the, the vast number of contractors and projects that are being worked on out there, whether it be research on pre-harvest or post-harvest um, food safety, 
Um, the American Farm Bureau Foundation is actually working on some um, STEM education for uh, middle and high school use. So that's your science, technology, engineering, and math classes, and how raising beef um, on the farm really fits into all of those different areas. So they're coming out with some new um, programs that teachers will be able to pick up off the shelf and teach to those students um, about beef production, but it also meets the standards that those teachers are looking for. Um, and then, of course, um, going back to the Beef It's What's for Dinner program and all of the great uh, value that beef producers see as a result of that. You know, the, and like you said, when you get to an off, up, an opportunity like Cattlemen's Beef Board or NCBA's annual meeting, that's when a lot of it really hits home. Putting it all on a plate in front of a producer and saying, look at what you've been doing with your checkoff dollars. It is amazing. And then the other part, as you said, the bigger picture, having those continued relationships, continued efforts to get U.S. beef, for us specifically, Wisconsin beef into those international markets. It's nice to hear that 2020 is looking better. Right. We, we're really excited about some of those opportunities. Wisconsin beef has started to invest some of our checkoff dollar into Japan, knowing that um, those tariff rates are going to be reduced here in, in 2020 and will be on more of a level playing field. And that's a great opportunity for also for our cattle that are over 30 months of age. That market also opened um, in Japan in 2019. So, Great, uh, great opportunity here in in this next year. Excellent. Tammy Vossen in studio with us. She's the executive director of the Wisconsin Beef Council. Don't forget, that's your beef checkoff dollars at work. And another reminder, if you want to visit face-to-face with the Wisconsin Beef Council staff, you can do it at the upcoming Wisconsin Cattlemen's Winter Conference. That's going to be February 21st and 22nd. Chula Vista Resort in Wisconsin Dells. If you're not already a member, we encourage you to get involved with those folks and stay in touch with where your money is being spent. That is your checkoff chat. And don't forget, as always, you can jump online. You're looking for recipes, want to learn about the story of the farmers that are growing the beef or uh, need to get some questions answered about to help.